For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. They've been rocking with us since day one. NFL preseason is wrapping up. College football week zero is about a week away, a little bit more than a week away from college football week zero. So if you want to place a bet on the action, on the gridiron, BetOnline is the place to do it. I will be betting online tonight for tomorrow's Manny Pacquiao fight on pay-per-view. Wow. Okay, Ike. I know you uh, You like to see fighters mix it up in the ring. I know you're a big fight guy. And if you want to place a bet on the action again, and bet online is the place to do it, visit the website today or use your mobile device and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, the next big match, head over to bet online and start playing today. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Balance 7 Ike. And as a former athlete, you know all about the importance of replenishing, renourishing after a hard workout, after a game. And Balance 7 lets people all over the world do just that. That's why I love Balance 7 because it's seven days a week and I work out seven days a week. So I might as well balance my body with Balance 7, seven days out of the week. We've got a promo running with Balance 7 right now. If you go to their website, balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so it's a pretty good deal. Again, that's balance7.com, code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Believe It Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, it's Fresh Cut Friday. I'm feeling good. How are you, my man? You're looking good, too, man. I see you got the, you got the baby booty face with the fresh cut, so I'm trying to match your intensity, but right now, you're ahead of me right now, dog. Ike, I'm really excited for today's guest. Like, I'm about as excited as Tom Brady is for his avocado ice cream. She's had bylines <laughs> for many prestigious companies and publications throughout the country. And she is the Steelers team reporter for ESPN. Excited to welcome in Brooke Pryor. And Brooke, I'm glad you're joining us here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. You need to tell your bosses over at ESPN that this should take priority over your hits on SportsCenter. I'm going to state that right from the get-go. You know what? I'm going to write it down and I'm going to send a note in. Uh, I'll let you know what I hear back. I, I don't know <laughs> that they'll agree with you, but, you know, shoot your shot. Hey, don't, hey, don't forget, hey, don't forget, Mark. We don't want to go over our head, man. Somebody got to pay that woman's salary. And, you know, right now, man, we're on a, we're on a little budget. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, a lot to discuss on today's episode and I guess we can start with the news of Joe Schobert the Steelers trading for the Jaguars linebacker 
I tell you what, for a six-round pick and the way they were able to work out the salaries, Brooke, it's like Kevin Colbert just does it yet again for a six-round pick. Just wanted to get your take. What would you make of the trade for Schober? I mean, it's Kevin Colbert's a magician, and I think he gets overlooked a lot when you talk about general managers because he's been here for so long. He's not, you know, like the young up-and-comer like a Brett Veach that, you know, gets a lot of praise for the way that he drafts and the way that he pulls off some of those free agent signings. But Kevin Colbert's kind of quiet, and then he makes a splash deal like this, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This guy's really good at what he does. That's why he's been here so long, and the Steelers have been successful for so long. But, I mean, there was a huge area of need, and it was kind of perfect timing when the Schobert news broke. It was in the middle of the first half of that preseason game last week and i think devin bush had just got absolutely burned on coverage and it was a great example of like oh yep this this is why they need an inside linebacker who's good in coverage and joe Schobert absolutely fits that bill um and the fact that he's been able to come in right away he's been playing with the ones in practice they expect him to play with the ones in the preseason game on saturday um I just think that he was a missing piece that this defense needed. Um, I mean, they've been down inside linebackers, losing Vince Williams right before the season. Robert Spillane is good, but he's not, you know, your top tier inside linebacker. You need to have a defense that is just solid forwards and backwards, knowing the goals that this team has to try to make the most of Ben Roethlisberger in his last season, maybe last two seasons, but if they're going to win a championship, it's going to come from the defense. And that means doing everything you can to solidify every position. And Joe Schobert checks the box for the inside linebackers so they can kind of breathe a sigh of relief there. Okay. So you just answered my question because I was going <laughs> to ask you, Brooke, what you think the strength of this Pittsburgh still the team is. And you just said defense. If they're going to win it, it's going to be on that defense. So let me go, let me go to the offensive side. But what do you think? the strength to that offense is for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Man, you know, I, I know what the strength is not, uh, and that is the offensive line, but it's kind of like I, I want to say the run game is going to be a strength, which is kind of crazy to say given that the O-line is in such flux, but when you use a first-round draft pick on a guy like Najee Harris, who is everything he was promised to be and then some and that's just what we're seeing in training camp i mean he makes holes happen he makes things happen on the field that just haven't been done in the last couple of years it kind of feels like every run that james connor had that would either go for like negative yards or maybe one or two yards Najee's getting three and four yards so it's just he's incrementally better in the small stuff and then i think his big play potential is a lot is a lot greater and I think that for this offense to be successful, yeah, you know, Ben wants to show that his elbow is fine. He's been throwing a lot more of these mid-range ball, 20 yards down the field, um, even airing out some 40-yard passes in practice. But I think for the longevity of this team, the run game has to be the strength. And I think that if Najee can get through this season and not hit that rookie wall whenever it is, that's going to continue to be what separates the Steelers um, in some of these close games that they're going to have in one of the toughest, if not the toughest, schedule in the NFL this year. I got one more question for you, Brooke. Pittsburgh will win the Super Bowl if. Mm. I don't want to say if they get lucky because that is just not <laughs> fair. <laughs> there are a <laughs> lot of really good teams and they have a very difficult schedule. I think for Pittsburgh to win the Super Bowl, 
they will have to get lucky, but it's more than that. It's Ben has to look more like his 2018 self than what we saw in 20. And I think he will. I don't think he's going to go full 2018 and have, you know, 4,000 plus passing yards. I I don't think we're going to see that. But I do think that he has to be healthy the whole year and the O-line has to gel really fast and look a lot better than they've looked in training camp so far. Um, And then the defense, I mean, like I said, that is the strength of this entire team. They can't afford to have any of the late season injuries like Devin Bush with the ACL tear, Bud Dupree with the ACL tear. And obviously you can't anticipate those injuries. It happens to every team at some point, but I mean, last year I felt like they were really on a roll and then those injuries happened, the COVID delays happened and it really just derailed this team. They can't afford to have any of those intangibles that come up. The season has to go as smooth as it possibly can to set them up for a good position to end the year on. Okay. I said I had one more question, but this (laughs) one more question for you, Brooke. And I need it from an offense and defense of standpoint. The sleeper on the defensive side is who? The sleeper on the offensive side is who? Player. Man, that's tough. I think on the defensive side, and it's it's hard to pick a sleeper because I feel like and they, the they don't have they, to they don't have to be a starter. It can be a guy coming in a substitute. You know, I, I want to go. Because my, my initial reaction is going to be Joe Hayden, but, like, can he be a sleeper that's a Pro Bowl quarterback? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Nobody's – but who's sleeping he, on Joe Hayden? Um, Because of his age and where he's at mm-hmm. in his career, he kind of he kind of reminds me of what you said about Kevin Colbert, the GM. He yeah. really doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because he's been in the league that long. So if you feel like Joe – hey, you're not wrong on this one. If you feel like Joe Hayden is a sleeper, Explain to me why. You know, I think because Minka Fitzpatrick gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. He is a really good safety. And I think Mm. we're also so worried about who that other outside corner is going to be. Is it going to be Cam Sutton? Is it going to be James Pierre? I think that Joe Hayden kind of gets forgotten about. He's kind of taken for granted in a lot of ways. Like, oh, we don't have to worry about that spot. It's Joe Hayden's. But, like, you're right. You don't have to worry about it because he's so good. He had a pick the other day in practice. And one thing that sticks with me that he said last year is that he is, I think he's the third oldest guy on the team. I was looking this up because Cam Hayward keeps talking about how old he is. And so I was like, okay, but how old is he really? Cam is the fourth oldest. Joe is the third. He acts like one of the younger guys on the team though, with the energy, with the way that he's just, he has just this infectious attitude that I think the entire secondary will lean on. And he makes plays. The ball just finds him. Um, And I think that he's going to be a very important part of the secondary, a very important part of the defense. And one that we're not really talking about because everyone's focused on, okay, well, is TJ Watt's deal going to get done? Is Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram, how's that rotation going to work? Okay, Minka's going to be really good. Devin Bush, but nobody's talking about Joe. And I think they're going to be when we get to the middle of the season. Okay, on the offensive side. On the offensive side, I'm going to go, I think, Anthony McFarland. um, Because we pay so much attention to Najee Harris because he er has earned it so far. But Anthony McFarland has been the guy that has impressed me most on the offensive side of the ball, taking that second-year leap 
and he really got I, I don't think he was being utilized in the best way in Randy Fickner's offense last year he was being put in positions that I was like are we really is he really being used for his are his strengths really being used in the positions they're putting him in his, some some short yardage stuff I was like that's not the guy that you want you want him to be in on early downs to make some big impressive gains he has the speed his pass catching ability has gotten a little bit better, but that's not what they need him for. He is just a really fast, zippy running back. And he's been the guy that has consistently taken number two snaps behind Najee. So, like, yes, Najee Harris is going to be the bell cow guy, but I think that McFarlane's going to be the change of pace back. And I think he's going to make some really impressive plays when we get into the season. Okay, that you, you didn't answer a lot of questions for me. You didn't give me some big <laughs> tips. And hence, I said that was my last question two times ago. So now I got to let Mark take over. <laughs> I think this is the time of the podcast to ask this question. Brooke, I was listening to an interview that you did about when you were working at the Oklahoman at the time you met Minka Fitzpatrick when he was still at the prep level at an Oklahoma mansion. And I want to preface this story before you tell it, Brooke. Ike, I know the first time you met Troy Palomalu in a bathroom is a great story, but Brooke, can you tell us that story of the first time that you met Minka Fitzpatrick? Yeah, so Minka, he was actually at Alabama at the time. He had just won, um, oh my gosh, what's the defensive player award in college? I forget what the name, the the Jim Thorpe Award, um, yeah. because that, that award ceremony is in Oklahoma. So it was my assignment to do the story on him, on him winning. Um, and I'm like trying to figure out how to do it before they have the award ceremony. And I'm told, Hey, he's, he's going to this Oklahoma mansion for his, um, for the Super Bowl party. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll roll into this. And I walk in, first of all, there's an ice sculpture. And I was like, I am out of my depth here. This is, I, I don't belong here. Um, and I, and there's like all these TVs, surround sound, all these people I don't know. And so I'm just kind of looking around, like, where is Minka? And sure enough, he is, like, parked right in front of the TV because he actually cares about the game. Everyone else is, like, clearly there because it's a social event. Um, And I, you know, make friends with the ESPN crew that was there to talk to him and everything. And we're like, okay, we need need to interview Minka, but it's too loud in here. Where are we going to go? And so we ask the woman who owns the house with her husband, like, where can we go? And she's like, oh, like, you can use like our bathroom over here. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's kind of weird. Like it's me, a camera guy, a sound guy and Minka. And like, I I don't know how big bathrooms are in your lives, but like, they're not that big in my life. Like bathrooms are like two people max. And we go in there and it is like, I mean, I'm sitting in my living room right now and I'm in a loft. So like, it's pretty open. I kid you not, this bathroom was like the size of my first floor in the loft. Like (laughs) it had multiple closets that went into other closets. There was like a bathtub that was sunken down on the floor. And we interviewed him in like the vanity area where it's just like mirrors and places to sit and like a little like um, island countertop area. I mean, it was so bizarre. And it, I mean, she, she was right. It was quiet. Like, it worked fine. But it, I've never done any other bathroom interviews before. Um, and I don't, I mean, I, I think I've peaked with that one. But I mean, Minko was great. And so when I, when he got traded to Pittsburgh, I went up to him in his locker and I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember this. This is also a really weird sentence and I'm sorry, but 
I talked to you in a bathroom one time in Oklahoma <laughs> at the Jim Thorpe board. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was like a sick bathroom. I was like, right? And now, you know, well, Minka's probably going to end up with a bathroom like that. If not now, then very soon. So, ba so basically, Brooke and Mark, you're telling me the house y'all was in had some different kind of money. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, that, that, that's what you're telling me. It, so it was not sports money. writer money. It was it was like <laughs> Oklahoma oil money is what yeah, that that's, was. Yeah, we we talking about vanities, we talking about sunken bathtubs, we talking about a closet after a closet after a closet. That 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 sounds close to a billion dollars. Yeah, easily. I mean it's Oklahoma though. Like there's tons of land, there's tons of space, and if you've got oil money, like Go for it. I mean, they had a valet out front when you came in to like park your car, and I was like, okay, that yep, I'm. Yeah, that 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 that, that, that makes sense. Brooke, yeah, did you I take was... the valet before approaching the ice sculpture? I did. I I handed them my keys, and I was like, I swear I'm not going to be here long. But then it took like an hour to try to find Mika, strategize, do the bathroom stuff, and then come back out. And then I went back over to my friend's Super Bowl party that was in like a suburb and a two bed, two bath, like very normal house. And then I felt much more <laughs> at home. <laughs> Brooke, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you've written and covered the Kansas City Chiefs at the Kansas City Star at the Oklahoma and you covered the Oklahoma Sooners, Baker Mayfield's run. What I wanted to ask you is as a journalist, how do you establish that connection with a player or a coach while also remaining critical and performing your duties and responsibilities as a journalist? Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do because I'm a people person and like, I, I love getting to know people's stories and that's what makes me kind of endeared to them and endeared to their team. Um, I mean, for example, when I draft like my fantasy football draft, I'm so bad at fantasy because I draft guys that I know um, because I want to keep tabs on them and like that's my excuse and so it is really hard when you get to know these guys you want to root for them but then you also have to remember like hey it's my job to call out like when you've done something wrong when you're not playing well but it weighs on you because you think gosh I I know what he's going through emotionally or I have an idea or, like here's some of the off the field things that they're going through but like man that on-field performance was really really bad but then I think it helps inform you when you report like, hey, okay, didn't play well on Saturday or didn't play well on Sunday. Here's why it went bad from a game perspective. But here are some other things that are going on that could have factored into it. You know, that this was happening in practice this week or they just like, I think one thing I'm really interested by right now and I, I really feel for him is Stefan Tuitt with the death of his brother. Like it it makes you feel awful because he hasn't been able to practice and hasn't been participating in things. And so on the one hand, you want to say, gosh, like, is the defense going to be okay if they don't have this piece? On the other hand, you think, well, if that happened to me and my family, like, I couldn't do my job. I wouldn't want to go out and, and do all of these things and, and feel like I'm not remembering them. Um, so I, I think Honestly, I think it helps in my reporting that I feel a lot of empathy when I talk to people and I try to use that to my advantage and try to make those connections that aren't just like, hey, so tell me about that touchdown you had. Like, I want to know, tell me about the touchdown. Who did you give the ball to? Who did you run up to and celebrate with in the stands? Why is that so important? 
um, like Rodney Anderson at OU had so many just weird freak catastrophic injuries. Like I think he broke a bone in his neck at one point and like one of the best running backs I've ever seen. He scored, I believe it was the game winning touchdown at Kansas state and he sprinted to the back of the end zone. And I saw his mom there and he like jumped up and they were hugging and it was just a really cool moment and I talked with the mom and the dad afterward, and it was really cool to be able to tell this story of, wow, this was really meaningful for OU season because it kept them alive to get to the college football playoff. But like, it was also really meaningful to Rodney Anderson because he's overcome all of these freak injuries and his parents happened to get to be at this game. His brother also played college football, so they were splitting their time and they get to be there all for that moment. So I mean, I'm getting chills like talking about it again, but like I, that, those are my favorite things to write about. So I'm, I'm lucky that it's worked out pretty well. So, so Ms. Brooke, you're up there in Pittsburgh, you're in training camp. Um, I'm sure you're hearing a lot, seeing a lot. Does TJ Watt get his deal done before the season or do they wait and they franchise tag him and try to work on it in the off season? Just from your personal opinion. I don't think that you, I think given how loyal the Steelers are to their players in in a, in like the TJ Watt vein, like they want TJ to be a cornerstone of this defense. If they didn't want that, they wouldn't have let Bud Dupree walk in free agency. They would have found a way to keep him around. So in letting Bud Dupree go, they said, TJ is our future. This is the guy that we're going to build around. And then whether it's the end of this season or next season, they're not going to be paying big quarterback money. So I think you give that quarterback money or something close to it to TJ Watt because he then becomes your quarterback. Granted, he is not the literal quarterback, but that's how you're going to win in the future. That's how you're going to win this season. And I think that they know that and they're not going to do that to TJ Watt, who is a great teammate, a great role model. I mean, he's, yes, he would be fine if he wasn't at practice, but I think even if that wasn't an issue, even if he wasn't going to be fined, if that wasn't in the CBA, I think he would still show up and do what he's doing because that's just how he is. He doesn't know how to not practice or how to not be as involved as he can be in things. And so, you know, I know people are like, oh, well, I mean, he's, he's not really practicing. That guy is working so hard on the sideline. He's not just like sitting around making daisy chains. Like he's pushing the weight cart. He's doing medicine ball workouts. So I, I think that they find a way to get it done. They got it done last year with Cam Hayward. They get it done with TJ Watt this year, I think, but it's going to come down to like the week before the season. I think the question now is just, will they make him the highest paid pass rusher or will they come in under Joey Bosa's like 27 at 27 million average pay? I, I think they should pay him more because I think he's, better than Bosa I think he's better than Miles Garrett but you know I'm not signing checks for anyone so it's not up to me so okay so is he is he is he better with uh, Ingram or Bud Dupree on the other side or is he better by himself with the Robert Spillane on the other side like which one he's better because I always felt like Batman always needed Robin when it came down to the outside linebacker position if you look at James Harrison you also had to look at Lamar Woodley for a short stint you know what I'm saying so Mm -hmm. okay you take Lamar Woodley out of it is Debo still Debo you know so 
that's that's how we look at it. And can't forget Bud Dupree was also a first rounder. So he just so happened to start he started to play more like a first rounder when TJ Watt came on board. You know, so me personally, I think he should get the 150. I really do. Um, I never looked at it how you looked at it with the situation. He now becomes the quarterback. Of course, he will be the cornerstone, but now mm-hmm. he's going to be the quarterback. So I was just curious on your opinion because right now uh, he's holding out, but they're not saying he's holding out. They just using that he's just working out on the sideline, mm-hmm. just staying in football shape. But uh, time to tell. But I'm looking at some of the moves they're making. When I think they just restructured Tuitt's deal, mm-hmm. they just restructured Joe's deal. And I think they probably were gonna restructure one more other person who has a high cap cap salary and try to make room for this to work. But yeah, I was just curious on what you thought when it came down to TJ White on getting this deal done before the season or after the season, possibly franchise tagging them, then reworking this deal. Yeah, I think they're definitely gonna get it done beforehand and to your point about does he, does Batman need a Robin? I think a hundred percent. And I think that that's why they brought in Melvin Ingram. Plus, they got a great discount on him for a player of that caliber. If he's fully healthy and he's playing the way he was playing in his Pro Bowl years, I think that that duo is going to be really good. But, like, Alex Highsmith has – to me, he's similar to, like, an Anthony McFarland on the defensive side. He's taken a more impressive second-year leap than I was expecting to see. And I think that I think that Melvin Ingram is a really nice insurance uh, signing to bring him in kind of in case Alex wasn't capable of being the full-time starter opposite TJ. But now you've got this three-man rotation that I think it's going to be like Batman on one side and then maybe like Robin and Alfred on the other side helping him out. Like <laughs> They're going to be great all together, but like TJ's definitely still Batman. Okay. Going to get the whole For Justice sure. League together, Ike. <laughs> right. And, and we know that Melvin Ingram is like Benjamin Button. I saw the social clip you posted, Brooke, where he says he feels like he's 18 at age 32. And this is after a few years ago. He said like he was tw- felt like he was 21 years old. Look, that's great news for the Steelers. If they can, like, keep bringing in these older guys who are saying, like, man, like, I feel great. Like, I feel like I can keep playing. I mean, um, Trey Turner kind of said similar things. Cam Hayward has said similar things that he feels really good. And, and granted, that's also kind of the standard line. You know, you get to camp and, oh, I feel so great. I'm in the best shape of my life kind of thing. And then the season starts and all of a sudden, you know, you're in September, gets into November, and you're not feeling like you're 18 again. But if they can start out feeling like they're 18, maybe they just end up feeling like they're 25 by the middle of the season. And, I mean, I wish I still felt like I was 25. So I, I think that, <laughs> I think that's good news. I think everybody's at like a good starting level that nobody's coming in and be like, I feel like I'm 42. Because then, you know, it, that would just not be good for a football team. Brooke, you're in your prime. <laughs> I like to think so. But, uh, you know, it, it takes – I have to stretch a little bit more now before I start writing. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you about was what do you think is the biggest storyline? We mentioned TJ Watts extension. So other than that, we talked about that. What would you say is the biggest storyline for the Steelers between now and the start of the regular season? I think it's the offensive line and just how they work together. And it's, 
it's kind of it's it's a harder storyline to follow because it's harder to measure between now and the start of the regular season like tj watts is going to be pretty linear either he gets the deal or he doesn't the offensive line we have essentially two more check checkpoints to see how they're doing in the next two uh preseason games and i mean I, i think it's really good that this team had the extra preseason game considering how long it's taken for all five guys to get out on the field together i mean this was the first time this week that we saw Chooks and Kevin Dotson and, and Kendrick Green and Trey Turner and Zach Banner all out there together for the same rep. And I brought that up to Tomlin earlier this week. And I was like, what do you think? You finally got all the guys out there. And he said, oh, we did? I didn't I didn't even know it was the first time. Like, okay, yeah, you definitely knew. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm noticing it, you've noticed it and then some. Um, but I, I think that seeing – a, if that ends up being the starting five, which I think it should be, and how quickly they can learn to work together because some of those early practices when guys were rotating in, when it was like Rashad Coward in there at, at left guard and Joe Haig in there at one of the tackle spots, they just it, it didn't look good. It was the defense was getting through every single time. So great for the defense, you know. You, you take you take that, and you're like, well, okay, at least the defense looks really good, but. You've got to protect your quarterback. You've you've got to protect the investment of the first round running back. And so I think their ability to get on the same page and to play at a high level quickly is going to kind of set the tone for this season. And they have, I think, 23 days is what I saw tweeted today. 23 days until the regular season starts. So they have 23 days to figure that out before Buffalo absolutely throws everything they can at Ben and at Najee to, to slow them down. So just off, off of football, and I, I would say, and I'm just asking you, so I would have young guys come in when I was, you know, in my prime and being a veteran, and the piece of advice I would give to them was don't cut yourself, meaning always come in shape, stay out of off-the-field trouble, and know what you're doing on the field, stay in your playbook. Now I'm coming into your world, Brooke, and I want to be a journalist. Give me a few pieces of advice coming in as a rookie. What would you tell me since you've been a veteran or a veteran in the game? It's crazy that I'm a veteran because I don't feel like it. I still feel like every day I'm like, why, how am I, how am I doing this? Um, And, you know, there are still things that I, I look to people that are older than me. I'm like, when will I get to you? And I didn't just do this second nature. And I don't have to think through everything a million times. Um, I the, the biggest piece of advice that I give young journalists who come to me and they're like, how, how do I get where you are? My whole thing is like, just be there. Just show up. And that's to every opportunity you can, whether it's covering like a high school cross country meet or a uh, running uh, quotes at an NBA game. Like I have done everything at every level and said yes to so many opportunities that if I knew, I'm lucky, I think, because I didn't come into journalism with a set goal of like, okay, I want, I, I need to get to this level and then I will feel like I've made it. I had a couple loose ideas. Like I actually wanted to be a national college basketball writer. Like that, that was the dream going to UNC being from North Carolina, that was it for me. 
But then I started saying yes to opportunities that put me outside of that path. And I started showing up to things and just being there. So like I found a way to get to the final four in 2016 when UNC, when UNC was playing Villanova in the national championship game. And I mean, I, we had to do things like we could only rent a car for 24 hours. Like our budget would only allow for us to drive from Durham to Houston, which I think was Ooh. like a 17 hour drive, 20 hour drive, Ooh. but we could only rent wow. the car for 24 hours. Like that, that was all the money we had. And so we drove it straight through. We didn't stop. I slept like three people to a hotel room. We did that for the duration of the final four and then had to do the same 24 hour thing on the way back. But if I hadn't gone to that final four, I wouldn't have ended up with a job offer from the Oklahoma and because of the people that I met there, just from being there, just from introducing myself, asking questions. If I didn't go to the Oklahoma never would have gone to the star, never would have ended up at ESPN. And those things happen by just showing up and getting in the door however you can. Um, that's, you know, there's no job that you are too good for. There's no opportunity that you can say, well, I mean, at this point in my career, I shouldn't have to do that. I mean, I was covering at the same time that I was covering OU football and like Baker Mayfield's Heisman runs and stuff. I was also helping out doing high school basketball tournaments and high school baseball tournaments where you're like scoring it yourself. And I remember being in absolute tears trying to make the box score for a boys basketball tournament make sense because I just had like missed a rebound somewhere or, or the point total wasn't right. And it, it was really humbling. And it also taught me like, hey, I this is great. It's, it's later now helping me become a better play-by-play -play taker. I'm noticing things more. I'm watching the game differently. Um, so that's that's just what I tell people and they're like, how do you get there? It's it's not by only saying yes to the the name brand opportunities. It's not by just saying yes to like, oh, well, you know, um, ESPN has an internship opportunity. I only want to work at ESPN, so I'm only going to take ESPN, you know, branded things or, or things that will get me there. Like, just kind of cast a wide net, show up to things when you get in the jobs like go to every practice, go to every community event, go to every game, be there early. If you can be on the sideline, be on the sideline. Make sure that people are getting familiar with you and seeing your face because that's one thing for me. I've gone to a lot of different places that have had people who cover the team have been there for a long time. I mean, you know, in Pittsburgh, everybody who covers the Steelers has been doing it longer than like my parents have been married. Like right. it is, mm -hmm. you start and you don't leave. Correct. And so I'm I'm never going to be able to compete with 30 years of experience, but I can show up every day and I can be accountable for things that I write and I can be open. And if somebody takes issue with it, if a player or a person on the coaching staff is like, hey, you were wrong on that. I want to be there so you can come tell me that I didn't do a good job. And then I want to learn how I can get better. So I, I think, yeah, just just be there, be there early, stay late. You pick up on little things by just kind of sitting around and watching. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room. Just observe, figure out what's going on in the ecosystem that you're covering and let that kind of be your guide. So that's, I don't know how many pieces of, of advice that was, but that's what I tell high school kids. <laughs> I, I'll take it. I, I had to, I wanted to ask about your world. I had to come into your world, you know, so 
I also like to learn just as as well as you do. And I like what you said, you know, especially on the listening part, because I've been asking a good man to make me a better listener. You know, sometimes I I like to talk instead of using my two ears. So I appreciate you. I just had to ask you that question. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I like to talk too. It's hard to remember, like, I'm I'm not in a place to tell my story. I'm my job is to tell other people's stories. And that means that I need to like sit back and listen and ask questions when it furthers the conversation and, and kind of digs deeper on everything. But they're, they're not here to, to hear me in my opinions. Like people are talking to me because they want their voices to be heard and I can help amplify that in what I do. Gotcha. I, I exactly like he's just flapping his gums when I, you've got <laughs> words of wisdom yourself. I'm the one who's responsible for that on this show. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you just throw me the alley-oop. That's all. You be the point guard, <laughs> and I just try to slam dunk it. So what happens when I want to play Malone one day, Ike? I, you, I, I'm I mean, happy I got, to be I, your Stockton, but yeah, sometimes gotta we got to roll reverse. Yeah, I get it. I understand. You just got to let me know when, you know? Brooke, this has been so much fun. Uh, Before we let you go here, I've got to ask you this and leave you with this question. How awesome is it going to be to see Aaron Rodgers in the black and gold in 2022? Well, that would be something, (laughs) wouldn't it? (laughs) This guy. I think Ike's Ike's reaction says it all there. Uh, You know (laughs) If it happened, I would be thrilled because I would have plenty to write about. I would have plenty of TV hits. It would be great for my career. The Steelers would be happy. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not seeing that happening though. I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers in 2021 in the green and gold in Green Bay when the Steelers go play there in week four. So I, I wasn't like letting myself dream about that. Uh, until it like officially happened that he was coming back. But now I'm like, my flight's booked, my hotel's booked. Like I am so hyped up for that game. So that's, that's, as, that, those are the only Rogers like visions I'm having right now. Keep it in the back of your brain. I'm just saying, I'm just saying crazier uh, things you know, have happened. I'll start pre-writing just in case. <laughs> Lions Steelers tomorrow night, Brooke. I assume you'll you'll be there for for the game three of the preseason for the Steelers. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm we get to see Ben Roethlisberger on the field in Heinz Field with fans in the stands. It's been a long time. I'm I'm really really excited, and I I try to not get excited for preseason games because we all know like the excitement's kind of gone by the second half, but. Between Ben, you've got a, a backup quarterback competition with Mason and Dwayne Haskins. The storylines write themselves, so I'm I'm ready for it. I wish the kickoff was earlier, but you know, I can't I can't have it all my way. Nobody asks me, consults me when they make the schedule. Right. Ike, is there anything else we want to get to before we let Brooke go here? This has been no, so that, much fun. No, I didn't had a lot of fun, Miss Brooke. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, talking about what you've seen with your bird's eye view and, and still this camp, sharing your story from 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 where you come from to where you are, which is a hell of a story. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it sounds like you're just having fun, and that's and that's the good 
think about it. And the reason why you, you can tell you're just very passionate about what you do and totally unselfish, which is a good trait to have, especially in your field. So, Ms. Brooke, man, keep doing what you're doing. You know, this is just the beginning for you. So it's a lot good store for you back in the day. So just you didn't put the work in, you know, the 24 hours of renting the cars to three people in one hotels. That's just going to be part of one of the chapters you can talk about when you want to write your own book on how successful you are or when somebody is writing a book on how successful you are. So, man, just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on the show with Mark and I. Well, thanks, Ike. And I'm going to remember that that line about don't cut yourself because that's it applies in journalism too. Like, don't take myself out of, don't tell myself before I write something that it's not going to be good or I'm not going to break that news because then you're already losing before you've even started. So I like that a lot. I'm going to remember that. Thank you guys for having me on. No, Absolutely. no problem. Thanks for coming. I want to thank our sponsors, Bet Online and Balance Seven. I want to thank the Belief Podcast Network, the folks over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus and Courtney Vargas. And to you, number 24, Ike Taylor. Appreciate Always a pleasure both. chopping in week in and week out with you. For Ike Taylor and Brooke Pryor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.